If you have a Bible, you can go to Psalm chapter 8. We are wrapping up a series called Summer Reading. Uh, you can get them on our podcast if you've missed any of those and catch up that way. But we're winding things down today. And what I want to do is just kind of encapsulate all of that from a song. The Psalms were the Hebrew songbook. And so they were written as worship to the Lord. And what one of the things that happens is as we worship, uh, our heart gets realigned with where it ought to be aligned. And so as you know, from the front to the back, uh, the Bible is telling one story. And it's a story about Jesus. And when we worship, it is no different. They looked forward to Christ's coming. We look back on his coming. And we all celebrate and look forward to his second coming. But as we've been studying these five books, uh, hopefully you've been encouraged that uh, life is not all about you. Uh, it's all about Jesus, and he has brought gifts into your life and is moving your life forward for his glory. That's essentially what we've been trying to encapsulate, that when you surrender to Jesus, when you make Jesus Lord of your life, when he draws you to himself, uh, you as you know it, are dead, but you've been made alive in Christ. And that's good news, is it not, church? Amen. Amen. So then we come to the book of Psalms, and as we read Psalm 8, I'm going to read through the whole thing here in just a second, but uh, the, the first thing that came to my mind when I read Psalm 8 was, have you ever been in a place where you just recognize like you didn't deserve to be there? Amen. You, you ever just been in a place, Jake? Does that happen a lot? But we've all had that moment, right, where you've like been somewhere and you're like, man, I just like I just am, I'm not even, I don't even fit in this category of humanity. Like I should not be here. You know, you watch like the royal wedding or something. These grand events where you're just like, man, like I don't, I don't I'm not just not even in that. Like I'm not I'm not there. I'll never forget the first wedding I did as a pastor. You know, I was like in my early 20s, and it's just like you're just like. What am I doing here? Like, why, why do you want to hear from me in this moment? And of course, you don't. You want to hear from God. But you just, you get in these moments where you just, the situation is overwhelming. That you just recognize that you're in something that's bigger than you are. I'll never forget being on a mission trip in the great state of Utah and being up in the mountains and just looking out at sunrise on a real mountain. We don't have those in Florida. But being on a real mountain and just watching the sun come up and just God's glory on display and you just stand there this moment and you're like, what am, I, what am I doing here? Like, why does God even care about little itty bitty me, right? You can have that same experience on Google Earth. You just put in your address, you see, oh, there's my house and then you just start to back out and you're like, oh, I, I don't matter at all, right? And so that perspective shift is good for us that there, there, there's just a grander scheme happening in the world is there not well when you look around like we get so wrapped up in what's happening in our little life that we can't see anything else and then god uses something to remind us that we're not the center of the universe and that that's good news and this psalm psalm chapter 8 is no different let's read it together uh, if you're taking notes there's uh, short notes in your worship guide you can also get them on the YouVersion bible app if you go under events and find us there. And these are notes that I want you to take today. Okay, I don't always uh, push the notes. Every now and then I remind you that uh, 97% of people that take notes go to heaven faster than the ones that don't. 
But uh, I made that up if you're visiting with us today. And, uh, but, but these are important because what, what this psalm does is puts in perspective your life. It puts into perspective our life. There, there is great honesty and there is great truth about your life. So let's read it together. Psalm chapter 8, starting in verse 1. Here's what the Bible says. O Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. You have set your glory above the heavens. Out of the mouth of babies and infants, you have established strength because of your foes to, the, to still the enemy and the avenger. When I look at your heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars, which you have set in place. Here's our confession, church. What is man that you are mindful of him? And the son of man that you care for him. Yet you have made him a little lower than the heavenly beings and crowned him with glory and honor. You have given him dominion over the works of your hands. You have put all things under his feet. All sheep and oxen and also the beasts of the field, the birds of the heavens and the fish of the sea. Whatever passes along the paths of the sea. O Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. What a powerful passage of scripture. There's a lot packed in here, but what I want to do with you this morning is just take a a couple minutes and walk you through the structure of what's happening here, and I think it's going to help you. But the, the first thing that the psalm does, the first thing that this song of worship does, it was written for the Israelites to sing it to God. And so the first thing that comes and happens here is we're told who God is. We're told who God is. And so there's a statement there in your notes and the first one you want to write in is who God is. Right? Who God is. Because who God is determines who you are. That's the first thing that happens in this passage. Look look at it. It says, Lord, how majestic is your name. You set your glory above everything else. If you have been at Redeemer for any amount of time, you know that one of the phrases I'm fond of saying is that God shares his grace, but not his glory. And some of you are already thinking, oh, he's wrong, because it says in this passage that he shares his glory with us. But I'm going to walk you through that and why I still stand by my statement. Because what happens here is it says, Lord, you've set your glory above the heavens. Not even the heavenly beings have the height of who you are. Listen to how Matthew Henry, uh, an old school commentator says about this passage. I love this. He says, no name is so universal, no power and influence so generally felt as those of the savior of mankind. But how much brighter it shines in the upper world. We on this earth only hear God's excellencies. We only hear God's name and praise that. The angels and blessed spirits above see his glory and praise that. Yet, he is exalted above even their blessing and praise, this psalm says. Sometimes, 
The grace of God appears wonderfully in young children. Sometimes the power of God brings to pass great things in His church by very weak and unlikely instruments. That the excellency and the power might be more evidently God's and not of man. This He does because of His enemies that He may put them to silence. All from the name. You know, we we, we talk about the name. We say things like it's all about Jesus. We sing songs about Jesus. Why? Because it's at His name that New Testament says every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that He is Lord. Right? And so we do that willingly now. That's why we love God because He first loved us. It's why we go share good news because He gave it to us and He left us here to do it. And it's why we serve our city to earn the right to do that. It's who we are as a church. But all of it stems from the point in time at which you were arrested in your spirit by the name of Christ. At some point, John chapter 6 says the Holy Spirit draws you to the Father and you're arrested in who you are at the glory of Jesus. And for those of you who have come to Christ, you know exactly what I'm talking about. That moment where Christ became real to you. And you're arrested. The psalmist is saying, Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. Your glory above the heavens. It goes a little bit farther. Put, put up Isaiah chapter 42, verse 8. Here, here's what the Bible says from Isaiah's pen. I am the Lord. That is... My name. Say it out loud. Say, my name. (laughs) We teach our two-year-old not to say stuff like that, but when you're God, you can say that. He says, my glory I give to no other, nor my praise to carved idols. Let's not mistake, right? We sang a song all about the love of God coming for you. Let's not mistake that God is God. God's glory is God's. Can I say it to you this way? God is for God. (laughs) But where the world looks at that and says, well, see, he's selfish. We recognize, those of us who have been given the grace of God, we recognize that that's actually good news. Because God's the only perfect being. God's the only one who sees things the way they ought to be seen. He's the only one who truly has intentions that will be for the good of the world. But what the text is saying is who God is determines who you are. Look at how the text goes on. It says, out of the mouth of babies and infants, you have established strength. The New Testament says it this way in 1 Corinthians one twenty-seven that God chooses the weak things of the world to shame the strong. It goes on and says the wise things of the world, uh, the, the not wise things of the world to shame the wise. Why? That just like Matthew Henry said, to showcase God. The fact that God can do anything through me or anything through you is a testament to His glory and not ours. And how many of us have seen when people get that backwards and it becomes for our glory and not His and we we become utterly unsatisfied with life. We weren't designed to carry glory. It says He out of the mouth of babies and infants establish strength because of his foes. The way that God chooses to silence the enemy, to silence Satan, 
death, hell, the grave, his demons, all of that is through his church, his weak, fledgling church that has a few billion people in it. <laughs> a few billion misfits who, apart from Jesus, John fifteen five, can accomplish nothing. Can I get an amen? amen. Right? So... Who God is determines who you are. You, you didn't, you weren't born and said, I'm here, worship me. <laughs> no, if we act like that and then we, we get, you know, life beats it out of us, right? And we recognize, and many of you, like I, come to the point where you just, I don't, I don't actually bring anything to the table. <laughs> what, it, what is life, right? It's the question of Ecclesiastes. It's, what, what is life? James says it this way, your life is but a vapor. It's here for just a, an instant and then it's gone. And then it just, we just get our perspective set when we think about who God is. But what's beautiful about that and what's good news about that is who God is determines who you are. Because look at what it says. It says the psalmist says in verse 3, when I look at your heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars which you have set in place, if you've never done that, you need to do whatever you need to do to take a trip to where you can see real stars and real mountains and real, you know, whatever. And if you have to stay in Florida, go to the beach at sunset, all right? Just get in a place where you can see that th- this thing is bigger than you. It's bigger than your issues. God is at work and he says it this way, what is man that you are mindful of him? There's always somebody more important than you. There's always somebody more powerful than you. There's always more out there than you. And in this world, that equals bad news. But in God's economy, that equals good news. Who is man that you are mindful of him? God determines who you are. We, we sang a song about who you say that I am. We say that we're a lot of different things, but God declares us his child. And that is who we are. We are God's children. And then we are who he's made us to be. So who God is determines who you are. But now like the question of that is, what do I do with that? What do I do with that, right? Because, because good, good news about my eternity is wonderful. But what about Tuesday? <laughs> what about Wednesday when I forget everything you just said? <laughs> what happens then? The, the beauty of this song and why it's a song and it was for them to remember as they go through the week is this, that who God is determines who you are. But then listen, listen to how this works. Who you are determines what you do. Who God is determines who you are and who you are then determines what you do. It's a very important process because if any of that gets backwards, you're going to seek glory for yourself and it's going to end badly. Every time. Some of you have crashed and burned. All of us have crashed and burned, whether, whether we'd like to admit it or not. But apart from Christ, when he says we can do nothing, this is the progression that the scripture gives us for life. That who God is determines who you are and who you are determines what you do. Look how it goes here in verse 5. It says, Yet you've made him a little lower than the heavenly beings and crowned him with glory and honor. So God, think grace there. God's given you 
grace. The Bible says that he shares his glory with nobody. So what is this talking about? It's talking about grace. The fact that God has put any favor on your life at all is a sheer miracle. It's a glorious truth that God's glory has come and not obliterated us, let alone chosen us to use us. How incredible is that? Why would God, you know, it's like, have you ever been picked last in kickball? Anybody? Anybody? Come on, raise your hand. I've been kicked, picked last in kickball. But, you know, it's like, that. that's like who we are in this passage, right? It's like if God came and picked a kickball team, none of us would get picked. I mean, I love all of you. So maybe one or two of you would get picked. You're, you're, you're like a step above the rest of us. But for the, general, for the general public at Redeemer State Church, we wouldn't get picked on the kickball team, right? Including me, right? I just wanted you to receive that. Just take that in. It's going to be okay. If you want to cry afterwards, uh, Pastor Jake will be available at the front. But, you know, it, it's essentially like that. That's, that's like the middle school principle, right? That you, they're just, you, you, everybody, life, has a way of revealing to you who you are apart from Christ. You're a nobody. And that's great news. If Jesus wasn't real, that'd be horrible news. It'd be terrible news. But it's actually great news. Because it's when you come to the end of your rope that Jesus can offer you his. So he says that you've been crowned with glory and honor that you've been given favor by God that you didn't deserve. It's just totally outside of you. There's no champion within that can accomplish anything of significance. So who we are then determines what we do. Look, look at the result of that. So we've been told about who God is. We've been told about who we are. And then we're reminded of what we're to do with that. What, what that allows us to do, that God giving us Jesus, giving us favor, giving us glory, an honor that we don't deserve, what does that do to us? Look at what God's given us to do. You have given him dominion over the works of your hands. All the things that God created were there for a reason. You have put all things under his feet, all sheep and oxen and also the beasts of the field and the birds of the sea and the fish of the sea, whatever passes along the paths of the sea. You're here and given God and his glory and his grace and his mission to live out on the earth. Jesus prayed it this way. He said in the prayer when he was in the garden, he said, Jesus, that he said, Father, would you bring your kingdom on earth just as it is in, it is in heaven? That was Jesus' prayer. You know, when we planted Redeemer City Church, that was the question, what would Tampa look like if Jesus set up his kingdom here? It would be redeemed that that is what God is doing. God has left you in the world, Acts 1.8, to be his witness. The Great Commission in Matthew 28, that we would go into all the world and preach the gospel. What is the gospel? The good news. That Jesus is who he said he is and that you are who he said you are, but that in him you can have life and have it to the full. This is what we bring to the city. What does it mean to serve the city? To bring good news. And we might do that in different ways by serving at Salvation Army or by, you know, helping your neighbor or having a conversation or being a shoulder to cry on or whatever that looks like, whatever your gift is. It's how we serve the city, but we do that so that we can bring good news because we have this God who loves. 
What an amazing thing that God has left us, the church, to do. You've given him, the Bible says, verse 6, dominion over the works of your hands. God created all of this. And in his infinite wisdom, he's left us to manage it. But isn't it beautiful that you're good at something that I'm not, and I'm good at something that you're not, and you're good at something that they're not. And he's built this body and given us gifts that we might work as a unit. Peter says God's building a spiritual house and that we all fit and work together. Now it gets messy, right? Like when you were growing up and your brother punched you, you didn't, you didn't leave the family, right? Like, you know? So, you, you, you know, you're, you're going you're gonna to get offended by something somebody does here. But listen, you're part of the family. We need unity in the church. Which doesn't mean never doing anything so we don't step on people's toes. What, what, what does it say? It says, you've given dominion over the works of your hands to people. That's going to get messy, right? I mean, look, look at the New Testament. Even, even, the, even the ones who walked with Jesus face to face got in arguments, right? Big arguments. I mean, Paul was ready to throw some of them, you know, off the, off the team. And so, you know, we, we, we learn a lot here about who we are. But it stems from who God is. And the way that things work in this life is that when we get the right view of who God is, we can then have the right view of who we are. And when we have the right view of who we are, then we can determine what we do. And anything out of line with that, it becomes about us and it goes haywire. But don't you love that the text doesn't end with what you can do? Don't you love that? That even though all of that is true, where does the psalmist bring us back to? Look at the last verse. O Lord, our Lord, how majestic is whose name? Your name in all the earth. (laughs) Even when we screw it up, it's still all about Jesus, right? The last thing in your notes there, the bottom line, is that it's all about Jesus. Because that's the point. You can't do what he just told you to do unless it's all about Jesus. Because that's the way it works. If you find yourself today unsatisfied with your life, can I just humbly point you to Jesus today? If you've never crossed the line of faith, if you've never bowed your knee to Jesus, confessed him as Lord, listen, there's nothing else in this life, nothing else in this world that will ever satisfy you like making that decision to surrender your life to Christ. The Bible says it really simply that if you confess with your mouth and believe in your heart that Jesus is Lord, you will be saved. You might say, well, what do I need to be saved from? Yourself. From thinking that you can run through life and achieve what you have set out to achieve and that it's going to satisfy you. Because what do we learn the older we get? That as I start to achieve the things I want to achieve, and start to do the things I wanted to do, or as I miss those opportunities, that life leaves you empty. And it's because you were designed with a purpose 
And you're told about that purpose right here. That who God is determines who you are. And who you are determines what you do. So if you've never met God, if you've never come to Christ, you can never accomplish what you have set out to accomplish. There's a greater reality, you know, and our culture has attacked the Bible and it's attacked the church and it's attacked families and it's attacked all kinds of things because that's what the culture does. We're not surprised by that. But let me just encourage those of you who are on the fence of Christianity that uh, God is not afraid of science. God's not afraid of history. God's not afraid of anything. The Bible is good and true and trustworthy and has been for thousands of years and it will be for thousands of years. God's not afraid of that stuff. There's good answers to your questions. But you need to ask the questions. You need to get with people who can help you solve the questions. But for those of you who are in Christ, who know Christ, uh, can I just humbly submit and call you back to the fact that your life is all about Christ? It's not about your achievements. It's not about your advancement. It's all about Jesus. And can I tell you, you'll never be happier than if you give everything to Jesus. I just implore you, encourage you, call you to put your eyes on Jesus. And you'll begin to see what you want to see. And no other way is going to work. No way is going to work. I want to do things a little bit different today. I'm going to have the band come up and uh, I just think that in a room with this many people in it, there's people who need to do business with Jesus. There always is. We, we convince ourselves that we're okay when we're not okay. We convince ourselves that if we're not okay, that people don't care that we're not okay. And I just want you to know that at this church, it's okay to not be okay. But we also want you to know it's not okay to stay that way. We love you and we want to serve you and we want to pray with you. And every every Sunday, this place is open for you to come pray, get before the Lord. You can do it right where you're standing. You can grab somebody near you that you've never seen before. It doesn't matter. The, The beauty of the body of Christ is that we're in this together. We are truly better together. Even if it's messy, even if it's hard, even if it's inconvenient, even if it's difficult. That the people in this place, God has brought to this place for this time in your life and we want you to be a part of it. So why don't you stand with me? The guys are going to play and after a couple minutes, they're going to lead us in a song uh, of response. And, And I just... I want you to pray. I just want you to go to the Lord. I want you to spend time in His presence. Because tomorrow, you're back at work. Tomorrow, you're back at school. Tomorrow, you're doing whatever it is that you do. Today, you can just stand in the presence of the Lord and the presence of His people and be encouraged and refreshed. And we all need that. But also, if you need to pray with somebody today come up and grab Pastor Jake or I we would love to pray with you grab us in the back after church listen we're, we're kidding ourselves if, if we're not dealing with the things that God's doing in our hearts he you hear me say is the hound of heaven he will track you down 
How long is it going to take? He's here. His arms are open. You surrender to him. If you've never done that ever, let me just encourage you to do that. We've got Bibles up here, next step books that'll help you get started. Uh, We've got city groups coming in the fall. We've got a growth track coming through in the fall. All these different things that are going to help you get plugged into the church and then get plugged into your purpose and let you live that out because God has one. He said he has one. And we want to help you get connected to that so that you can live life to the full like Jesus promised it in the book of John. So take just a minute. If you need to pray with somebody, now's the time. Don't wait. Nothing embarrassing. We all need it. So find somebody, pray with them. Pray by yourself before the Lord. Come down here, kneel in front of the altar. Whatever you need to do. But today's the day to do business with Jesus if he's doing business with you. And uh, what a glorious thing that we can have access to the Father because he's